Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on, people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron, and as always, I am the host of the show. So, I'm extremely delighted to bring to you today, Penny Power. Now, for anyone who knows Penny, they might also know her as the accidental entrepreneur. And the reason for that is because Penny created this absolute monster of a social network for business people in 1998 which actually had over 650,000 business owners in it. Not knowing what she had at that time, Penny was sadly disrupted by what we know today as LinkedIn. So there's definitely a brilliant story there and we do discuss that further into this episode. Alongside this, Penny has also received an OBE in 2014 for the work that she's done and she's seen by many as a winner. And having spoken to her in some depth, not just during this episode, but prior to it, She certainly is that. Alongside being a mother to three children and a wife to her husband, Penny now sees herself working with clients on a one-to-one basis. And we're in a society today where a lot of coaches are almost spawning overnight. I mean, we're seeing people with one or two years of experience becoming a coach and then selling their services. And being a bit sceptical about a lot of these coaches, Penny is somebody I'm certainly not sceptical about. Because if I was ever to recommend anyone as a coach, it would certainly be Penny. Because Penny has the experience. And you can tell from the way she speaks in this interview, she knows this stuff. So uh, I think without further ado, we're going to jump straight into this one. It's extremely exciting for me to bring somebody like Penny onto my podcast. And I'm extremely grateful for that. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, so firstly, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to today's episode today. And I've just had a fantastic discussion with Penny prior to this actually going live. So um, I've got to know her a lot better. But I think it's very important that you guys listening, tuning in today, get to know the real Penny or Penny Power as she is known to many of us out there today. So firstly, how are you doing today? Very well. I feel very well warmed up. Lovely conversation with you. It was. It certainly was. I could almost have an episode out of that just in itself. (laughs) But um, just for the sake of the listeners who have just tuned in now and obviously may or may not have heard of you, could you please just maybe give us an insight in relation to where you first started, a little bit about your journey and basically what brings you here today? Um, So I think, you know, Aaron, I think it's been a journey of finding my voice, which is just perfect absolutely (laughs) and I'm going to try and and keep it a little succinct so um I went into the IT industry when I was 19 I didn't go to university um I went into sales and telesales and um joined it when it was really booming and so it was um fairly relatively easy to excel and I ended up within about by the age of 24, I was sales marketing director of a 80 million pound company with about 400 staff that I was responsible for and an 80 million pound sales line. Um, and we had offices around the country, eight offices. And um, But my first day there, I, I just went into there completely just out of scarcity and needed to leave home and it was a job. Mm-hmm. And um, and I realized I was quite different to everybody else in the room. You know, I wasn't really that focused on the sale, uh, but I was focused on the impact of the sale that would have on whoever was buying the product. And um, uh, I actually resigned after seven months and I was going to go to university to do a psychology degree. I'd finally got my place and my boss took me into a room and said, why are you leaving? I said, I'm just not cut out for business. It's not my world. I want to be have more impact in, in business. And he said, but you have no idea of the shift that you've created in the culture of our organization. And I was really shocked as a 19-year-old to be told that. And he said, just be you, stay and be you. Very powerful when someone says that to you. So I did. Mm. And um, I built quite a nice career. I sort of left that company and actually went off to four other companies and then was invited back to be their sales and marketing director when they had grown quite substantially. Um, And then at 28, I was blessed with my baby, Hannah. 
Mm. And then two more children. And that is absolutely that. And my marriage has been my highest values, my highest Mm. joy. um, The thing that I think is the most important thing in my life. I think, you know, that whole saying charity begins at home. I think if you put oxygen on your family, then you build a family that doesn't take from the world. It can give to the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've taken my role as a mum really uh, as my most important thing in my life and my mar- and my marriage because that completes the family and um but i am quite driven i love i do love business and when i was 33 so i had um hannah was 5 and then i had uh, ross who was 3 and tj was just not long born about 6 months old i came up with the idea of the fact that business seems so lonely people working on their own my husband being one of them and the sort of subject of networking in 1998 wasn't huge, um, but there was um, it was sort of going on. But there was no online networking for business. There was Friends Reunited and um, MySpace, but nothing for business. Um, so I created a community for business online uh, with a culture of reducing loneliness, helping people with their self-esteem and their self-worth and helping people to be who they were rather than just what they did. And it grew and it grew and it was phenomenal. Um, um, but then we got massively disrupted. Um, we were growing up organically. It was a, a subscription-based business, £10 a month or $10, 10 euros, depending where you were in the world. We were in 52 countries, had 5,000 offline wow. events a year. And then LinkedIn took hold. So Reid Hoffman had actually visited and used our site a little bit. He then raised $330 million when in the UK we just couldn't raise any money. We'd raised a very small amount of seed investment. Uh, but interestingly, he just went a different route and culture. He, he, he went to the business world with his fantastic tool, but it said it's only about what you are. Um, mm. And actually, then we saw that was in 2002. So that was four years after we had grown. Then in 2004, Facebook came into the student market. 2006, mm-hmm. came in. And the mark, I think we all polarized. You know, this is who I am on Facebook. This is what I am on LinkedIn. An academy sat somewhere in between, but we needed to um, pivot the business model. Uh, by now, we had lost our house in order to keep the business going. Um, uh, it was very challenging. The tra- children traveled around the world meeting our members, um, had little lapel badges with their names on them, shaking hands at TJ, I think it was before we first started networking. And um, anyway, in 2008, we went to the bank and said, look, can we have a loan to pivot this business? And um, They gave us a five-year loan. It enabled us to start looking at how we can offer free and start basically doing what we didn't want to do, but in order to survive, which was going to be sell your data, sell you. Right. um, You know, what we now upset about in the other markets. So obviously that meant a lot of our members that were happy to pay were unhappy, uh, but we did get some new members joining who were happy that it was free, but it really challenged our values. And then three years into that, with two years left to run on the bank loan, the banking crisis happened we got a 30 day notice to pay back the rest of the two years and they brought the business down the bank after 14 years. So um, an incredibly painful, defining moment um, in 2012. Um, and it has been an unbelievable climb um, to, to get back um, any sense of self-worth, self-belief, um, a big journey which we can we can look into um um, it was wonderful in 2014 out of the blue came a beautiful letter um offering me an obe for the contribution made which was a lovely feeling of validation and but actually what i really learned is you can get huge amounts of external validation in life but unless you can validate yourself and believe in yourself and feel your own sense of self-worth these things are just a bit of gloss on your Mm. life and um that's been a journey, which culminated in me writing my book last year. Fantastic. And your book is called? It's called Business is Personal. Wow. Firstly, what a journey. I've probably got more notes here that I could, again, I could do probably a <laughs> podcast on separately. So uh-huh. I just want to touch on a few things uh, throughout your journey. So you ended with the validation statement, which I definitely mm-hmm. want to go into because I think that's so important, especially in today's society. Yeah. But you were 19 years old. You had almost kind of disrupted and made a positive scene in this industry where there was a fitting comment and you said, just stay and be you. And, yeah. and I love that because I, I feel myself and in an industry where a lot of my business comes through social media, 
there are people not just being themselves. Uh, I feel that a lot of people have a mask yeah. or they're saying the things that they necessarily feel they need to say yeah. and that what people want to hear. And I think sometimes we all have such a unique gift or skill set that we may not ever get to see if we're too busy trying not to be ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think I think that was beautiful. You touched again, moving after that, about your family. And I just resonated so much with your values in terms of breathing oxygen into your family and how important your marriage is. So we touched, obviously, prior to this show, a little bit about one of your children, Hannah, not Russell TJ, and just the incredible person that she is. So again, that's a testament to your values and that kind of brings me to where I am so I touched on the LinkedIn obviously disrupting and and sadly for yourselves you had to almost kind of pivot but you mentioned something which I just found fascinating which was the values bit that really kind of struck you so it's nice to hear and it's quite refreshing from yourself that yes you could have pivoted the business and almost kind of taken on a LinkedIn approach but that's not who Penny is so using that and realizing that in that moment getting the external validation of OBE what did you then do in terms of your business i mean is that still going now that sort of business or have you completely shifted it now towards really helping people trying to find out about themselves and in terms of self-love and self-worth yeah i mean i th- it definitely has been and uh, thank you for that that lovely reflection of what i said i think um it, it's been a journey do you know something that i say when i'm i am coaching and mentoring and i run a mastermind group now i take two cohorts a year so I I support um, people through a mastermind group uh, which is a beautiful experience Um, we do need to know our values we do need to have a brand we need to know what we're here for you know that lovely saying two Mm. best days of your life the day you're born the day you discover why you're born all of these things are very very powerful start with why Simon Sinek what it's created it's created a massive panic of people that don't feel they have it yet and you can't force it. So, you know, I was coaching a lady yesterday who's incredibly inspired by Brenny Brown and her vulnerability statement and Simon Sinek and all these role models. And she's desperate to find her big message. And I just said, just it will come. But it absolutely starts with the seed of who you are. And you can't force it because you want to market yourself better or write a better book or You've just got to allow it now. Having a coach or a mentor or a loved one help you coach that out of you is very powerful. Um, and I was with a brilliant guy called Simon Hartley yesterday, and um, he's a performance coach. And he said these three things, you know, know yourself, be yourself, accept yourself. I love that. I love that. I love that. Know yourself, be yourself, accept yourself. And I don't think that we can... You know, I went through a process last year with um, psychologists and group therapy because I broke and I didn't break to the point where I was, you know, was shaking in the corner. But I had a really day of devastating experience, dangerous and scary experience on the 30th of November 2017 that I went off to hospital thinking I had had a stroke or something and they found no neurological things. And, and anyway, through going to see a psychologist, discovered that um I was now having some form of mental health challenges and I actually spent a lot of time reflecting and thinking and I think I started a break probably four years before I had that incidence. It's not something that happens far. You know, you could start off, you could start off being completely um, disabled with a bad leg through or hip through arthritis. It would start years before, you know, you get the twist. So I think mental health issues you have to start becoming very self-aware of how you're showing up in the world before you really know you've got them. And, and you know, I believe in mental fitness, but that's another subject, you know, actually starting before it starts like you do when you look after your physical health. So the values, finding your voice, knowing your values are very critical. You can't force these things, though. And, you know, when I talk to CEOs of businesses or leaders of businesses, they've got pulled into a vortex of ambition like this whirlwind of ambition that actually is fantastic if economies create that culture because they create the culture of fear and they create the culture of you're lacking and therefore scarcity and and fear and you lack. And the marketeers are brilliant at it online saying you could be more successful, you could be richer, you could be more beautiful, which immediately when you actually read that, your subconscious hears I am lacking. It's a brilliant way of marketing. So brilliant. It's so clever but revolting. So we have to step away from things like social media and comparison. 
Um, you know, um, Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. It's my favourite quote. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and it's it, it takes a huge amount of reprogramming your mind to stop doing that. But at least once you're aware you're doing it, you feel yourself doing it, you, you call yourself back into line. Because when you look at the ingredients of who you are, you know, what makes you up, there is no single human being on this earth the same as you. Exactly the same, I agree, yeah. Your knowledge, your skills, your intentions, your passions, your experiences, your adversities, um, your, your, it, it's just absolutely nothing that can make someone the same as you. So therefore comparing yourself is the first downward spiral really and one that people are so locked into um so you know to anyone listening i'll just say calm down listening to yourself just have more self-awareness think of your joys think of what really sets you on fire and all that stuff which other people will say but really deeply do it not to make money from it to begin with that's so powerful Again, I mean, I can resonate with this and I'm not sure if you've followed any of my story or any of my progression, but I try and say a lot of this myself because again, probably similar to yourself, I found myself in a state of comparison initially, especially when I started the property journey. And I have this habit now and I've kind of, I don't do this in, in a way to offend people or be rude, but I've stopped almost going on social media and liking people's posts and stuff because mm -hmm. what I effectively do now is I have a message every morning or every evening that I want to share with the world and what I'll do is I'll write it out and I'll send it out and then all of a sudden I'm off social media I'm not there to see how many likes I get or how many shares I get because if I fixate myself on that metric in itself what's going to happen is if it's low one day the next day I might be scared to share my truth again mm -hmm. and I think I think one of the important things you touch on again is people are almost in this panic of we don't have it but they probably do and it's a patience game I suppose and where I always say to people is just speak your truth speak whatever comes to you it's your own perspective it'll resonate with certain people and we're almost in a society where people are trying to almost say key and buzzwords because they feel like that's what they need to almost yeah. say and I, and I think you hit the nail on the head and I think with your experience as well and you've just briefly mentioned the coaching aspect I think people listening to the show can gain so much value from that so I just wanted to touch on your mastermind that you mentioned is that yeah. something that people would necessarily need to do in person or is it something that you can do online from the comfort of your own home a really great question so i've been on my own journey um and i'm gonna i'm gonna come back to that if that's not too annoying absolutely so when i my two i call myself an accidental entrepreneur for years um because i was when i came up with the academy i didn't know this tiger by the tail but i had um and then I started my second business after Academy called Digital Youth Academy, which was highly impactful. It was working with young people. I created the digital marketing apprenticeship that is now widely used. Mm. Um, and I, I got investors to put um, money in. We invested £350,000 in an e-learning system and we um, distributed that through further education colleges as an apprenticeship. And over three years, I helped a thousand unemployed, very hard to reach young people into jobs, wow. giving them the the confidence that their digital skills had value in the world and um, and hoping that they would go into it with this, this sort of culture that I believe in around social media. Mm. So that was my second, what I would call entrepreneur journey. Then I started my third, which is called the Business Cafe. And it was that part of the journey that broke me because it was another push. And what I feel is um, the term entrepreneur mm -hmm. is really dangerous mm -hmm. to me entrepreneurs are creating something from nothing and have massive ambition and luke johnson in his book start uh, startup i think it's called said ambition is a curse and not everybody has it I right agree. yeah to be a true entrepreneur you have to be massively ambitious and you have to know how much you're willing to sacrifice in terms of time money and gratification because being a true entrepreneur you're building something that scales and has impact and this is the Silicon Valley world, you know, go out, raise $300 million and da, 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 da and reduce all your <laughs> yeah. down to 1%. And, you know, it's the Elon Musk's, the Mark Zuckerberg's, the thing that a lot of people, your generation and to a certain extent, my generation came, you know, we, we witnessed from about 22, 23 years ago when e-commerce and everything started. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, the, you know, it's a curse to call yourself an entrepreneur unless you truly are. Mm. Um, so my own personal journey is and where I am finding so much joy now, going back to your original question, yeah. is that I was employed 
had my children, then became an entrepreneur accidentally. Mm-hmm. And then he became an entrepreneur again with Digital Youth Academy, then tried to be an entrepreneur again with the Business Cafe. And I still want to bring the Business Cafe to market. But when I broke, I, my, my basically my cup was full. I was overflowing before I even got out of bed. My resilience had gone and I was exhausted and burnt. And um, the way I've come back is by saying, actually, I'm going to be a small business much nicer. Yeah, of course, yeah. A small business says, what is my value to one person? Mm. And how can I exchange that value for money and impact their lives directly? So at the moment, starting from January, when I launched my mastermind and my mentoring coaching program, Mm -hmm. this year, I only need to work with about 34 amazing people. And I will fulfill not only my emotional needs, but my financial needs. And when I go into a room with somebody I'm coaching, I know that I get that gratification of not only seeing the impact I'm making on that one person, but also they're paying me. Yeah, absolutely. Money is an energy and money is actually ultimately one of the ways we get our worth. It is. It's, I know we don't chase money, but if, if we're broken and I've been broken and if we can't financially afford to feed our children, trying to be an entrepreneur is a very, very dangerous journey. So going back to your question, Am I delivering it online yet? I'm being asked that a lot. Mm. To me, I'm, if, as soon as I do that, I'm stepping away from my direct impact mm. in mm. terms of I'm putting a computer between me and, and being able to love and hold and touch and care and look in the eyes of the people I'm wanting to impact. And so this year, that's what I'm doing. Thank you for that answer. So I want to play devil's advocate just a little bit on the, the last yeah. bit that you said there. So... I fully understand the whole direct, be there directly, impact them, hold them, love them and touch these people that you work with on a one-to-one basis. And I suppose when I first started personal training, I literally started uh, personal training because one, I'd lost a lot of weight and done a qualification with a bit of spare change I had, but I thought it would pay my way through uni. And then obviously doing that, um, I really enjoyed it. I love transforming lives and seeing people lose weight, gain confidence, which again, I felt fantastic as being mm. part of that journey. And I got to a point in myself as well, and I remember saying, I should take this online and almost do like an online coaching for personal training mm. where I will check in with clients online, again, losing that, that one-to-one communication mm. thing, but at the same time, getting back some of my time, some of my energy, yeah. and, and perhaps potentially making more money. And I initially kind of was with yourself. I was like, I don't want to do that. It's going it's to almost dilute my power and my gift that I have when I work with people but then at the same time I had somebody question me and again this is a question I want to ask you is do you not then feel because in this very brief moment with yourself the reason I ask this is because I don't want it to be that Penny is based in this part of the world or this part of UK and we don't have access to Penny right now because I feel that if you are able to connect with more people, yes, the message might be slightly diluted, but I think your message is so powerful that you could affect so many more people. So is it something okay. that maybe you'd, you'd entertain later or are you so All right, I'm going to give you a really long answer to this. Please again. do, please do. Okay, Aaron. Okay. So at the moment, I don't believe in myself enough. Okay. It's getting there. And I, this is the story I'm going to tell you, and it's absolutely mm-hmm. true. And it's the most up-to-date story I can tell you about my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please do. I have always wondered why people would spend money on an Aspinall or a Marlbury or a Gucci handbag, right? Mm. So you're going to think, where the hell is she going with this? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I never needed it. I never wanted it. Even when Thomas and I had money, you know, and life was a bit easier. Mm Mm-hmm didn't turn me on. Thomas came back from Dubai once on a speech and brought me back in a beautiful Gucci box, a handbag. And it sat in the box for three years. I never used it. Didn't, right? Mm-hmm. And, but my daughter, Hannah, who we've talked about a little bit, um, and hopefully you might interview. So Absolutely. It'd be an honor. So when she was 20, and I, we didn't spoil our children. They had to work from the age of, um, from a young age. And at 16, they got jobs in super supermarkets or starbucks or whatever mm-hmm. and age 20 she got an internship um at barclays and i met her after work one day and we went off to marlbury in mm-hmm. just off oxford street and she spent 900 pounds on a bag i didn't judge her mm-hmm. i didn't judge her at all it's her money she'd worked hard for it and that to her was some symbolism she wanted that bag mm-hmm. and she had this private 
relationship really with my big my elder sister who's 10 years older than me because my elder sister who's 10 years older than me loves designer handbags right and i used to watch quite jealously this but i think oh, i don't want to join that club i'm not into having <laughs> designer handbag but i was quite jealous mm. of these this banter that i would hear and them looking at each other's bags because ever since then hannah's bought more bags mm-hmm. anyway when I started this mastermind group, we were meeting at St. Pancras Station. Um, it's a beautiful meeting place and a restaurant there. And that's where my masterminds are going to be in a private room there. And I had 12 separate meetings because I have a four-hour ma- uh, one-to-one with all the masterminds before they join. And I would walk past an Aspinall shop, right? Mm, yeah. Eight times I walked past it and looked in and sort of smiled and thought, oh, Hannah would love that. And walked up these steps into this restaurant. Anyway, one day, I, 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 about, I think it was about the ninth meeting, I went into the Aspinall shop, took a photo of this lovely handbag and said to Hannah, you'd love this handbag, Hannah. Mm. And she said, yeah, it is lovely. The next time I went back, my 10th time, I went in and I got it off the shelf and I put it on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's quite nice. Actually. <laughs> yeah. this handbag. Put it back. 11th time, went back, went in, looked at it and asked them how much it was mm-hmm. and talked to them about it. Last week was my 12th time. And I said to Hannah the night before I was going back to London for my 12th meeting, Hannah, I've fallen in love with an Aspinall bag. <laughs> yeah. And she went, buy it, buy it, mum, buy it. Mum, buy it, buy it. And I went, oh, really, shall I? And she said, mm. buy it, mum, you really deserve it, buy it. So I said, don't you know somebody who works for Aspinall or something, I could get a 30% discount. She said, mm. well, yeah, I can look into it overnight if you want, mum. So I said, we'll do that. That'd be lovely, darling. Anyway, the next morning I woke up to get the train to London for my mm-hmm. 12th meeting. And I sent her a text and said, Hannah, I'm going to buy it and I don't want it discounted. Mm-hmm. I went in and I bought it and we came home and we had champagne while I opened it at home. Mm-hmm. And Thomas said to me, he just said out of the blue, well, how come you've decided to buy yourself a bag? And I said, Thomas, I'm worth it. Mm. You are, yeah. Wow. And it was so poignant that everybody cried because Hannah has said to me, Mum, why don't you believe in yourself? You've got an OBE. Look what you've done. Look at the lives you've changed. Look at everything you've done. Mm. And I said, I just didn't believe it inside me until I've got, I do now. So this is the most up-to-date story I can tell you, Aaron, of my journey. And it's been really interesting. And I share it because I'm really open with everyone. If somebody wants to judge me for the, the pain that I've been through and the losses I've been through and judge me as a bad business person because I've not achieved what, you know, I could have achieved. I don't I really don't care about that. I'm just me. And um, and I will share that that story with the world because it's we've got to find our own self-worth deep, yeah. deep deep down now so in answer to your story which was about mm. 10 minutes ago <laughs> no it's fine it's fine yeah to me to go online and expect somebody to want to pay for an electronic version of me i haven't got to that point yet mm. believing in myself enough that's incredible thank you for sharing that i'm, I'm grateful for you sharing that because as you were saying that there were so many parts of it and maybe some of the listeners could probably resonate with it where I'm on this entrepreneurial journey where I'm kind of bootstrapping as and when I can and stuff like Mm -hmm. the bag if we use trainers for example where my younger brother who's nine years younger than me will go and spend 300 pounds on a pair of trainers where I'm like I can't do that I can't possibly think of doing that I mean we grew up in slightly different generations where finances were different growing up but I don't know something something just clicked there and I thought maybe there is a is an element within myself where my self-worth needs to kind of at least be reflected on and maybe people listening to this can reflect on that because it was a beautiful moment I could almost picture you coming home popping open that bottle of champagne and then having this moment where you're like do you know what I am worth it so it's a beautiful story that you just shared there and in relation to the diluting the message thing which is a question that I asked you and you feel that you're not necessarily worth it now can i just ask is that a kind of like an imposter syndrome that's going through your head or do you i i think it's partly um that i've watched uh so many uh, i don't want to swear you can swear <laughs> <laughs> tossers is the place yeah. i say um sell a dream mm. online and manipulate and love it and um corrupt I don't want to be part of that world. Mm. And I've seen people close to me, you know, hire an expensive house, 
rent a Ferrari and stand outside and say, you can be as rich as me if you do my program. And, and they are multimillionaires. But I have seen so many lost souls fuck up their lives mm. leaving that story. And so I've got to... Um, I've got to get to a point where for me to join that world, I've really got to feel safe that I am never going to do that to anyone. Penny, I love that about you. Um, that's like, for me, it's kind of like, I've got the Family Fortunes um, TV episode going through my head where it's like top answer and it's like kind of bleeping <laughs> because for me, it's one of the things that I hold very close to my heart. So I, I, I got told off by my wife actually last night. So this is a very current story. And I was writing a post and I kind of just write posts from my heart or whatever I think. I don't spell check it. I don't think about it. I just literally write it there and then. And as I was writing it, I seen her peeping over and she was kind of looking at it like, why are you kind of, she's she seen it as me being kind of argumentative or not. I'm just trying to think of the right word. Um, a bit um, against the grain kind of thing because my mm. message yesterday was very similar to yourself. So I'm in the property space and in the property space, there are, all these millionaires yeah. selling this pipeline dream and I absolutely hate yeah. it because I was fortunate that I had £12,000 left in my account which I spent on the education. I still believe I would have been where I am now without that education because in hindsight it wasn't as good as I'd probably seen. So since then I have probably moved people away from that education and I've offered my free service, I've given my course material that I've paid thousands for because I'm like, listen, you can learn all this yourself. You don't need this shiny book or this course that's going to change mm -hmm. your life because i've done it i joined this course thinking 12 months time i'm going to be a multi-millionaire blah 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 all of that so you've obviously seen these kind of and i call yeah. them crooks i don't call them yeah. tosses but i think tosses is probably a better <laughs> word and, and it really really it, it gets it gets to me because at the same time i also feel i have value in some of my skill sets where i can go out and coach an extensive amount of people but then i almost get mm -hmm. this imposter syndrome myself thinking I don't want to ever be seen like these people out there who exactly. are doing it the wrong way. So I fully get that. And obviously we're at different stages in our life. You're a lot more advanced and experienced mm. um, than myself. And I get that. And I, I, at the same time, I'm like, I'm seeing people with less experience than myself who have fabricated their results, taken good selfies on, mm. on Facebook. And then all of a sudden they're selling weekend courses for 2000 pounds. And I read a book recently yeah. and, it, and it was about um, neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, called The Dark Psychology. And there was a brilliant quote in that. And what it said was, you can either manipulate people or persuade people basically. And the mm. people, there's a lot of people who say, I wanna help you, I wanna do this for you. And you need to be able to assess, are they trying to manipulate you? I looking at their own self gain irrespective of whether it's going to actually get you what they're promising you or are they just trying to persuade you to a better mm. life and i'm i'm grateful that i've managed to have this interview with you and, and actually connect with you because you're one of the good people and, and it's nice to see somebody doing it the right way and i do feel that sometimes we may not get there as quick as other people and we mm. may have to probably face more obstacles but i just believe it's just so much easier to go to sleep at night doing things the right way well, it does. It goes back to what you said at the beginning about your core values and 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 whether you can sleep yourself. You know, these CEOs that um, someone was telling me they coach, they said these CEOs are in fear of losing their jobs or their business because all around them they have nothing else left. Mm. Mm. They've just lost everything. They've lost their wives. They've, they've no relationship with their children. In their strife for success of whatever – they decided success would be when they were young. Uh, they have, um, and now they sit in fear in these big jobs because if they lost their job or they lost their business, they have nothing else left. And I think we have to think about what is it we want to surround ourselves with. And Thomas and I have lost everything, and but we still had our marriage and our children, and it's it's all that matters Absolutely. to me. That's the most important. And thing. I think people need to go deep into their values before they chase this ambition or this dream or this comparison or whatever it is that's confusing them mm, yeah mm, absolutely no i think that's a fantastic message thank you for sharing that penny i really appreciate it so now that you're you're definitely an entrepreneur i, I think i don't think anyone's going to disagree <laughs> that you're an entrepreneur whether it is by accident or whatever mm. i mean i feel i'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason and if we choose to we can find our own way and i'm grateful that you found your own way but what i want to ask is so for somebody who's been through been through it all 
uh, should I say, in terms of the journeys of ups and downs. What's your daily routine like? Because I'm a firm believer that motivation doesn't last forever. And I am strongly... I'm strongly for, sorry, um, that we should discipline ourselves in certain aspects, hence your nutrition or the thoughts you tell yourself, affirmations, yeah. being grateful, all that sort of stuff in order to get through the darker days. And not everyone speaks about the darker days, but what's your daily routine like uh, Monday to Sunday? Um, so I am always been an early waker, even as okay. you know, a child. When I was a teenager, I did my revision early. I always wake, so does my husband, around five o'clock. And we love that. And we go down and get two cups of tea each. Uh, well, one of us goes and gets four cups of tea. And, <laughs> okay. Um, and we do have that television in the bedroom, which we absolutely love. Mm-hmm. So this morning we watched, uh, we love all the dramas. We watched uh, the f- final of the mother, father, son, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and we lie in bed together and we hold hands and we have a cup of tea and we watch that. And we do that for about an hour. Mm-hmm. This is if I'm not rushing to London for a train, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I we I shower, and then I for the last six years I have made a very um, lovely drink um, which contains spinach, kale, berries, um, chia seeds, flax seeds, huile, um, carrot, and and then I start work because I love work. So I either start work in the office or I will go up to London. I do try to go to London after ten because a the trains are so much cheaper. Uh, no, I go on the train. I mean, it's phenomenal how much that makes a difference to your monthly outgoings if you if you do have the discipline of doing that. And I just feel better if I do that because then I get a good start in the morning. And then my ideal day is to coach um, one client a day mm-hmm. um, about three times a week. So in the afternoons, I'll meet at this lovely place and coach them. If the client is better in the mornings, I will do the morning because it's really down to where they when they get their best energy. Of course, of um, course. And um, three times a week, oh, God, I'm really grimacing here. I try to go to the gym okay. <laughs> and treadmill and do some weights, but I'm not achieving that very well at the moment. And I do have a yoga routine that I try to do every morning before I get dressed. That's it. Fantastic. Do you do any sort of, um, I mean, I know you've touched on yoga there. Do you do any meditation or any gratitude journaling or writing your goals down? Is that part of your uh, daily routine? So I do... I am. Um, I have an attitude of blessings and gr- gratitude all through the day, and I do okay. start my day with that. I definitely I don't even have to consciously do it. I, it just comes mm. into my mind that I have that I feel it now. It's. Um, I think it's incredibly powerful that um, mindfulness meditation would completely elude me. I mm. just I don't know how you do that. But mindfulness, I am trying to learn that. My son, who's studying psychology at university, who. Mm-hmm. Um, is quite a high performing, very puts a lot of pressure on himself, a lot of pressure on himself. Um, he's learnt mindfulness and he's actually done a certificate in it now. And he has it's it's incredible how it's transformed him. He he said he can't live without it. And so it is that's a discipline I'm trying to bring into my life. But I can't say I've got it. Fantastic. And just actually, if we, if we may, just going back to something we touched on earlier, we touched on mental fitness. And I know we spoke yeah. about this before I click the record button. Yeah. Do you want to just briefly elaborate on that as well? Because I think that's going to be very important for the listeners so, as well. So um, I, when I had this sort of breaking moment, I ultimately it took a while, but in the end, the psychologist diagnosed me with PTSD, mm-hmm. um, which I always thought needed to be a huge trauma, you know, mm-hmm. something that directly happened to you. But PTSD is basically anything that every day comes back into your mind and it is and it fills your cup before you even well, you know, st- started your day. And I had 12 things that um, from the age of three through to about three years ago that mm-hmm. were still un- pains that I hadn't accepted and reconciled. And I wasn't a victim of them, but they were still front of mind. And I had to go through a process called EMDR. Um, to work through them, which was a hard, exhausting, painful process of acceptance and letting it go. And then when you do, it goes into your, the, your mind, back of your mind. The other thing that I got diagnosed with is a form of depression called Curse of the Strong, which you can buy a book by Dr. Tim Kavanagh on, um, he, on Amazon. He um, worked for the Priory and um, he found that people that were coming to him who um, were very dynamic, very... Um, hardworking, high levels of discipline, um, 
were he ended up diagnosing hit them with this and what I got diagnosed with and it's basically a form of depression that means you will not self-care and look after yourself right. you just get up every day and you just keep pushing um until until you just you just just exhausted um and so um when I was going through my psych my um group therapy and um times with my psychologist which I talk about in my book there was healing triggers and emotional and mental um repair that I talk about in my book that I feel is relevant to every entrepreneur mm-hmm. um every human yeah a belief around your belief systems your values your thoughts your feelings um your personality type etc and what I then thought was actually, if I had known this 20 years ago before I became an entrepreneur or even younger, I would have focused on my mental fitness. But yeah. Not my mental, I not got to a point where I had mental health issues. Mm. So now I'm an advocate of mental fitness because I think that there are things that we could learn about ourselves. So to me, resilience isn't about how hard the punches are that you are willing to take and bounce back from. Resilience is like a boxer. You learn what to dodge. You learn the things that your personality and your who you are and what matters to you that you do not want to be confronted by and you dodge. And that would be mental fitness to me. Fantastic. It's actually the first time I've heard it explained like that. Um, I think I think the message is clear, though, and um, I'm quite fascinated now. You've got me intrigued into your own personal book. So yeah. I don't I don't read books in terms of the hardcovers, but I am an advocate of audible uh, and listening to books is your book available as an audible version or is it strictly a hard copy no it is i went into a studio and recorded it so it's on audio it's on kindle and it's on hard copy yeah okay fantastic so there's no excuse for me not to buy that then i'll definitely be checking that out <laughs> uh, th- thank you for that thank you okay so the next thing i always ask my guests and again this is something that will hopefully give the listeners uh, maybe lessons that they can take on or some sort of advice is about adversity now you've obviously been through a lot of adversity some of it we probably haven't even touched in this very short episode so i know you mentioned briefly you lost your house you mentioned um i think it was 30th of november you were having these mental health challenges if you could either choose one of those or something else in your life where you've been through adversity and just tell us how you've basically overcame that and the lessons that you've got from it just to kind of give the listeners maybe some tools that they could perhaps use yeah yeah no happily so there have been i mentioned that there were I think I mentioned there were 12 things on my list when I went to the psychologist that bothered me that was still very front of mind. Went back to childhood, not that I was abused or anything, um, but there was some, you know, things that bothered me. Um, and um, all the way up to adulthood. So um, I think one of the greatest learnings was that um, the second business that I started, uh, Digital Youth Academy, I got some investors involved. I didn't do any due diligence on them because I had known of them. And they certainly seemed to have my best interests and the passion of the business in their hearts when they invested. Um, but I think I was at a point of scarcity when I went into that relationship, which is always dangerous, whether you're taking on a client or a supplier or a marriage, whatever you're doing, <laughs> yeah. go into it in a, a scarcity, fear uh, mindset, then it's going to be very difficult. And so ultimately, I had to work my way out of that relationship, even though I loved that business very much, we had to exit and sell that business. And the issue was that um, because I was in scarcity, um, and clearly was lacking in personal self worth, I enabled them to have control over me. Right. And one of the things that the strapline of my book is how to lead the life and business that you want. And I was told um, by actually somebody who worked for me in that business, Russell, who now runs the um, Starbucks apprenticeship program across Europe. Um, he was a brilliant guy. He was ops director working with me. And he said to me one day, Penny, I can tell from when I first met you to who you are now, things you're not as happy as you used to be. I said, oh, that's a real shame. And he said, I watched a documentary last night and they said there were three parts of happiness and they'd done a big study globally. And the three parts were 50% of happiness is your constitution. Are you a happy person? He said, Penny, you're always happy. You are a happy person. 10% is the achievement of the things you want. And, you know, in this study, we know that we all always want something else. As soon as we got something, we always want something else. That's why humans progress so much and innovate and keep going. 
you know, we're not happy. That's why we're not animals. And that's why we are so progressive. 40% of happiness is how much control you have, uh, have over your own life and decisions you make. And he said, clearly you're being controlled. And I was mm. now, I had to then unwind that, and I talk about this in my book, how sometimes you have to positively surrender to a situation. And I realized that I wasn't going to change the pattern that we had created between us as a relationship where they were assertive and I was passive, um, where they were the adult and effectively they were treating me as a child. And it was my own doing because I went into this relationship already in a bad place. Yeah. And... um so part of the learning that I had to go through is I got to a point in my life where anybody who was assertive with me, I was labeling them in my head as a bully. Right. Um, so I was catastrophizing anybody who seemed to want to have control over me. Anybody that had an opinion that was strong, I saw as bullying. And I had to learn as a naturally not assertive person anyway I had to learn to be more assertive and realize that being assertive is actually a very adult communication style. It doesn't have to be angry. That's one one lesson I can pass on. Absolutely. I, th I think that's a lesson that I've had to learn myself as well because when I first started property, I was very, probably a similar situation to yourself as well. I kind of put people on a pedestal um, yeah. think, thinking that I wasn't worthy or I didn't have much knowledge yeah. yet. In fact, I probably did in hindsight. Yeah. And the funny thing is I got ripped off. I got builders running away, taking advantage of me. I had potential business partners seeing me as naive and trying to make me do more work than initially agreed to. So I had all these kind of problems and teething issues initially as well. And I remember yeah. my mom actually saying, um, you, need to, you need to be stronger. You need to stop being like a walkover or a pushover. And I was just like, it's just who I am. As in, And yeah. I was always confident that if I didn't become this again I, I assumed it had to be a nasty dictating yeah. person and I was like as long as I just be myself somewhere along the line I will get the right kind of people around me and and yeah. maybe I have developed some level of assertiveness over the last few years but I've certainly now got a team around me who I can trust and they know me for my skills I know them for their skills and it's certainly helped but I think you, you hit the nail on the head there where you said it's a skill to learn yeah. and, and in my head it's always been if I come across too assertive are people going to think I'm a bully or I'm bossy yeah. loose or whatever it is. So yeah. that, that's really interesting. I think I think people can definitely resonate with that. Yeah, good. That's mm. good to hear. Definitely. So, Penny, uh, what's your biggest fear? Um, I suppose my biggest fear is um, currently is long term sustainable income. Mm -hmm. um, because we, you know, when you lose everything, and I'm, it's amazing sort of people I'm attracting now as co to coach mm -hmm. them is a lot of people in their 50s that have huge skills, um, but they haven't really been able to manage their business life the way they needed to, and um, um, and create that sustainable income. So I love working, so I'm going to be very happy working well into my 70s and beyond mm -hmm. if people will still have me. Um, but creating some sense of security. Um, into my old age is is probably what what I suppose drives me but also drives me negatively because it is also a fear okay that's interesting so a bit of a shameless plug here have you thought about property investing as a sort of security <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just asking the well, question well yes I'm, yeah. I'm not anywhere near that place to be able to even consider that well if you ever are then please do reach out yeah I will I appreciate that and I will Aaron I think you're a lovely guy so I will definitely oh, thank do you that so much. thank you so much what we're going to do now is actually we're going to completely mix it up now. We're going to go into what I call the fun part of the show. So at this stage of the show, all I'm going to do is literally ask you the most random questions that I can think of from my list in front of me. You've got no idea what I'm going to ask you. Um, we're going right. to do the buzzer for about 60 to 90 seconds. So there are no right or wrong answers. So literally just say the first thought that comes into your head. Oh, gosh. Okay. Sound good? God. Yes, terrifying. <laughs> no, no, you'll be absolutely fine. Okay, we're going to start in three two one okay what did you eat for breakfast my shake the ability to fly or be invisible fly what is the best thing about being an entrepreneur freedom if you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine what would it be exercise <laughs> what is the best <laughs> gift anyone has ever given to you uh my children would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button on life pause i would say money or fame oh money your priorities moment uh, my children graduating. I love that. Your favourite food? Uh, chocolate. 
Chocolate. <laughs> C'est good choice. <laughs> okay. Um, Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Your number one goal this year? To help 34 people achieve their dreams. Your favorite TV show ever? Pride and Prejudice. Would you rather know how you would die or when you would die? How? If you could sit with one person in the world for an hour, who would it be? My husband. Speak all languages or be able to speak to animals? Oh, speak to animals. And finally, if you could abolish one thing in the world, what would it be? Uh, religion. Okay, fantastic. So that's the end of the fun part of the show. It wasn't that hard, was it? No, that's very good. Okay, brilliant. Um, so we're almost at the end of the show now. I've just got the last final few questions I just want to ask you, Penny. And yep. the next question is about reflection. So obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing where we can always think of ways to get ourselves somewhere quicker, easier or with less heartache. But I guess the journey also teaches us a lot as well. So what I want to know is, if knowing exactly what you know now, you could go back to a younger Penny and maybe whisper something in her ears to inspire her for the journey that lies ahead, what would you say? Um, it'll all be okay. I think I'd probably just give her that comfort, really. Just that reassurance. Just the reassurance, yeah. And um, that actually sadly brings us to the last question then for, <laughs> for the show. And again, this is something I ask all of my guests and it's about legacy. So if in 150 years time, science fails to save us all and all that's left is this book and this book is about Penny and her life and everything she's accomplished and all of the great, wonderful things. Firstly, what would the title of the book tell us? And secondly, what would the blurb at the back read to us? Oh, straight off the cuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first, the title I thought was love. Okay, I like that. And um, it would just say that, that love is the most powerful force in the world. And the more that you can um, live within that energy, uh, be that energy and give that energy, the better your life will be. Thank you for sharing. Okay, brilliant. So that brings us to literally the end of the show. And just before I leave, Penny, what I want to do is give you a chance to connect with the audience. So if you wouldn't mind, could you please tell everyone listening how they could reach you and maybe if you have time and the capacity for them to maybe engage with you? Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. So um, I'm on Twitter. So at Penny Power. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So I'll be easily found as Penny Power. Um I'm on Facebook, but unfortunately, I think I've just about reached that 5,000 limit um, and I'm absolutely rubbish and got to put my page right, but I do have a page. Um, I've got a lovely community on Facebook called the Business Cafe Global, and that's a very caring, very honest and real community mm -hmm. of small businesses. Um, I'm on Instagram as Penny F Power, and then I have a website which is pennypower.co.uk and on there there's different contact forms that's fantastic and what i will do is i will put all of those um details in the show notes thank you that's very kind no no you're very welcome i'll also put a link to the book as well because um i'm looking forward to reading that myself and i just want to say once again penny uh, thank you so much for your time today it's, it's actually been a fascinating talk even the stuff we spoke about before the episode started and um i just want to thank you for your time i want to thank everyone at home as well thanks for listening wonderful and remember this podcast is absolutely free so all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on itunes have an awesome day